Please, please cut that out. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Shall I cut that out but keep the reaction in? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. for this so welcome to the podcast nobody asked there we go that was the voice of a man who couldn't remember if he had pressed record or not (laughs) but but i have so we're okay so welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me ian harris and me graham jones (laughs) and this week we are talking about our top three legacy sequels we would want to watch so a legacy sequel it seems to seems to really be in vogue recently and it is just a sequel to a film that came out long after the original hit 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 the silver screen. Yeah. The only rule we have is that we're defining for this episode uh, or for our choices that it has to have been 25 years after the original film came out. Yeah, I think that's that's a good line in the sand. It was originally going to be 30, but you wanted to squeeze something in that was 25 or 26. So I let it slide in because I'm a nice guy like that. Yeah, and like part of me, so part of me was very close to messaging you saying, can we bring it down again? But you know, you have to have your line in the sand somewhere. Yeah. Because I really, I really want a sequel to, um, and I know there was. Mm. But I want a proper sequel to The Mummy Returns. <laughs> and also, obviously, let, let's get this out of the way now. I do feel like the line was set in the sand by yourself after Googling when Master and Commander Far Side of the World came out. Just to double check, we wouldn't be talking about that again <laughs> for uh, 15, 20 minutes, uh, half an hour, hour, hour and a half. I didn't, know, but I'm, I'm very glad. Um, no, that wouldn't have been a line in the sand either. That would have been like a boy on the wave, wouldn't it? A boy on the wave, yeah. But luckily, I have a long list of frigate facts for you anyway. But no, Wonderful. We will <laughs> so- we'll save that for an, another episode where you've gone on holiday. So 25 years, it being our line in the sand, takes us way, way back to the year that is 1997. And I was having a look at some things that happened in 1997, just to kind of maybe give us some context of, of the uh, the era and beyond that we'll be talking about. So a few albums that came out that year, The Fat of the Land by The Prodigy, The Colour and the Shape by The Foo Fighters, Spice World, uh, Nimrod. So, whoa, I, I always forget that The Foo Fighters and Spice Girls lived side by side. <laughs> it, like, it's like, they f- was it? Is it always... Um, and Frank and Martin Luther King are the same age, right? What? Yeah, they were born in the same year. Yeah, of course, of course they fucking were. <laughs> but that's, I've, that's what I've never thought. Fu- I've, I've re- regressed through puberty because of that fact. Yeah. Okay, that's that's uh, that's not the one I thought you were going to go for. Because <laughs> the one they always go for is like, while we, while Europeans were hunting mammoths, Egyptians were building the pyramids. Yeah. Like, those are two things that also happened side by side. <laughs> I wasn't quite expecting Anne Frank and Martin Luther King. Nobody. It's like the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody does. Nobody was expecting them. Um, some other albums, uh, Nimrod by Green Day and Dude Ranch by Blink-182, all 1997 releases. Uh, then we had some big events. Uh, so Bill Clinton was sworn in for the second time. The English Patient won Best Picture at the... Uh, 
Academy Awards. Pokemon premiered in Japan. The first space burial took place. The remains of 24 people were sent into space on a Pegasus rocket. Tony Blair was elected the British Prime Minister. The UK won Eurovision um, with Katrina and the Waves. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was published. Uh, Hong Kong was handed back to China. Diana died. Uh, One for you here, Ian. Wales voted for devolution, forming the National Assembly. Um, And then crucially... Both Con Air and Face Off are released, um, and also like a, another Titanic as well, apparently. But Con Air and Face Off were released. <laughs> I'm fairly sure Titanic was 1912, <laughs> and obviously the 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 other big release of that year, which we've talked about previously, was the the fancy gold and silver Star Wars VHSs. Yes, yeah. Which I only just realised when we spoke about it, the difference between the two. I thought it was. Do I want a gold case or do I want a silver one? Yeah, no, good old, good old wide screen. Good old wide that was screen. an option. So yeah, that was a lot of that was a lot to take in there. Yeah, ranging ranging from the English patient to Princess Diana. Yeah, so nineteen ninety seven. That was a that was a. I'm still not used to twenty five years ago being nineteen ninety seven. I still like I one. I always count back from a zero. Yeah. So at a push, I would have said twenty three years, but I probably would have accidentally said thirteen. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like it should be 13, right? Yeah. We, we should only be in our mid-20s. Alas, we are not, and the cruel speed of mortality is coming to us like a freight train. Yeah. So, Con Air and Face Off, let's talk about those then, shall we? <laughs> so, f- f- Face Off, there is talk about there being a sequel, mm-hmm. and Con Air, it came out fairly recently that there was a sequel in the works which would have been set in space. I mean, I'd watch that. Well, and also, you say talk about... I mean, Titanic 2 did come out in 2010 as well. Oh, but that was like an Asylum Pictures <laughs> thing, right? Yeah. Okay. All right, well, t- Titanic 2 then. I mean, because all of those three films share something in common in that I don't want a legacy sequel from them. What what, what legacy sequel do you really, really not want there to be? Um... At- Actually, I know what the answer is, and it's Avatar, isn't it? Is it that's not quite a legacy sequel, though, yet, is it? Because it's, uh, it's been a while, but it's not been 25 years. Um, it must have been a decade. Yeah, it's been a decade. I think it came out 2010, maybe? No, you're right. I don't want an Avatar sequel. I certainly don't want four of them. But I think, actually, more so on the, like, not ruining the legacy of the originals. So, like, yeah. I'd probably go with... Um, I don't know, things like Taxi Driver, Scarface, probably like uh, probably all of the Tarantino movies that came out pre-97. Don't think they need sequels. Yeah, because I, I, I think for me, the, the difference with them and some of the legacy stuff that has worked, because uh, as we've kind of talked about sequels in general before, as a principle, I'm as a rule, I'm not against the idea of a legacy sequel, right? Yeah. Like, I know some people do the whole, well, there's no original films coming out anymore in the year Everything Everywhere All at Once came out. Yeah, so yeah. therefore, that, that is a bullshit argument. Both can live side by side. There is a right way to do a legacy sequel, and when it's done correctly... I think they're very good. But for me, they don't work when... So like Scarface, it is a self-contained story with a middle, beginning and end. And it's not set in a world you would really want to explore anymore either. No. And actually, you kind of did in um, Grand Theft Auto, San and- is it San Andreas? No, Vice City. It was bas- Vice City. Is basically yeah. exploring uh, 
Scarface, isn't it? Pretty much. Do you remember yeah. when Vice City came out and everyone was like, why are the graphics so terrible? And it turned out you had to go in and turn off the blur function or whatever it was called that was meant to oh, make God, it look yeah. more like 80s. Yeah, because it was like a shitload of like lens flare yeah. and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. God, I was so happy about that just because it had fucking motorbikes. Yes. That was the, that was the graphical step up <laughs> that we were happy with back then. Yeah. Oh, it was a great game. But no, I, I think I, I think Scarface and that kind of thing, I think that's a good a good answer to it. Because I think, all, yeah, all the ones I've enjoyed have either been characters you want to revisit or worlds you want to revisit. Yeah, I think I think that's that's kind of key, right? But and it's interesting that we've we're getting them now, so like um again it doesn't quite fall into it, but like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, we're now getting the T V show, which arguably is kind of it's it's it goes back to that world building thing and i mean i'm intrigued yeah. to see how um how well that goes because in a similar vein i i really enjoyed the harry potter movies but the fantastic beasts like the first one was okay but like it feels like they're flogging a dead horse a little bit with the rest of them yeah fl- fl- flogging a flogging a dead pe- uh, pegasus <laughs> buck is it buck what was buck big griff griffin no, I think so. I think uh, he no. was a something. He was a he something was a similar thing. to a kin. He was a Valken horse. <laughs> um, yeah, no, because I, I, I am I am properly setting myself up to be really hurt by the Lord of the Rings series. Hippogriff, because I am. He was a hippogriff. Hi- hippogriff. Um, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it looks really good, but I know what I you mean. I really like, th- and it's obviously it, it's more legacy prequel. Yeah. Before we get like hate mail from Lord of the Rings fans, but it's I I think it could be really good, and I also think it lends itself to like the mini series format as well. Because I mean, well, Disney Plus is now entirely legacy sequels, isn't it? You've got Willow, the Willow TV series coming out soon. Yeah. National Treasure just dropped, right? National Treasure trailer. Yeah, dropped today. Just dropped. Um, I think so. Yeah. And the uh, obviously all the Star Wars stuff yeah. they've been doing, and it's it's interesting. Like I, I do, I I like I do like it. I think there's some very good stuff out there. Some stuff not so much, but some stuff is great. Yeah, I I really like the. I think, and it will probably see this as we we go through the choices. But I think there's there's two two ways it works really well particularly i think is the so like you mentioned with the um the world stuff and then from a character point of view the ones that i think are really i I really quite like are like where they were kid actors in the original and then they're grown up and then it's either then seeing them as adults so like i know this isn't exactly the same but like the way it the new it films were done with chapter one and chapter two Again, completely different because it was there were different actors and everything. But like that, seeing the kid actors in their adult roles, or there's kind of like the, and again, this isn't a legacy sequel at all, but kind of like the switch around with like the main character kind of becoming the elder kind of tutor, kind of like in how Ant Man was Hank Pym, yeah, wasn't actually ant-man in that but he was so like that yeah that difference of um uh, so a better a better example for that would be creed yeah i haven't seen it so yeah, yeah I'll, 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 I'll say <laughs> yeah i'll say yes <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's i don't want to say a morbid fascination but i I, lo- I love that stuff as well and boy do i one of my choices is going to be right up your fucking street <laughs> but yeah i just i'd like seeing the the obvious comparison with legacy sequels is obviously post-apocalyptic fiction, but 
I like legacy stuff to see how the world has developed and changed. Yeah. Like, I think you could do some really cool stuff with it. But let's go through a list then. So I have a long, a long and exciting list of legacy sequels that have already come out. So we can go through that and we'll, it'll, it'll be great. Excellent. Uh, so first one, uh, so Jurassic World. Yep. So Jurassic World was 14 years after Jurassic Park 3. Jurassic World was great as well because Jurassic World did basically what Star Wars Episode 7 did in that it was just the same as the first film that was released in that series, but it basically followed the same beats, but was just a bit different yeah. and a bit more modern. Yeah, and then the sequel to it was shit. Yeah. And then the third one I haven't seen, and honestly, I don't really have Oh, it's, it's been absolutely panned, hasn't it? Desire, yeah. But Jurassic World, I really enjoyed. I thought it was really... It's exactly what you want from a series like yeah, that. Yeah. Of it. It's just, it is just stupid... And Chris Pratt runs the risk of being eaten by a dinosaur. Yep. Next on the list is uh, a technicality, but Spider-Man No Way Home, which is both 14 years, 7 years, and 2 years after <laughs> its predecessor. Um, so Rocky Balboa yep. was 16 years after Rocky Five, Okay. Um, which I think is the only film on this list which is basically being described as an apology. <laughs> so Rocky Balboa was only released because I think Sylvester Stallone didn't want to end the series on Rocky Five. Fair. It's very sly of him. A, the, the film that I really enjoyed, but the more I talk to people, me and my dad seem to be the only people. Uh, the Matrix Resurrections was 18 years after The Matrix Revolution. I'm sorry, The Matrix Resurrections was fucking fantastic. Right?! It was a it was a plain film, but it was fantastic. Yeah, it was. Uh, does do, does that? I oh, know it wasn't a plain film jingle, was it? It was a what films did you watch on a plane? Yeah, jingle. yeah. But we'll throw it in there anyway. Throw it in Why there. not? It'll go. It'll go here. Landing gear up. Cross check. Whatever that means. Turbulence. Films you watch on the plane. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I full. I am fully aware. I think it was written specifically for me. Yeah. Because it is the single most meta piece of cinema I've ever seen. The only way it could have been more meta is if he was playing Keanu Reeves rather than Neo. Yeah, <laughs> which from the tra- from the trailers at one point, there were rumours that was what was happening. But I really enjoyed it. And it, it's it's nowhere near as good as The Matrix, but it... I, th- I, I enjoyed it more than the sequels. I thought it was more... It made it flowed a lot better and made a bit more sense. Yeah. I mean, as as I said when we spoke about it, I think previously, it was like, turn Reloaded and the other one into Revolutions, revolutions into like 10-minute anime shorts as part of the Animatrix and then have this as the standalone sequel to The Matrix and then I'm happy. Yeah, that, that's fair. 20 years later... After Independence Day, they made Independence Day Resurgence. It's best not to talk about that. Yeah. It was bad. Rambo 4 was 20 years after Rambo 3. And then Rambo Last Blood was 11 years after Rambo 4. (laughs) Probably the one on this list which I think was the most surprising to people. Jumanji Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle was 22 years after Jumanji. Yeah, I could buy that. I think everybody assumed it was going to be absolute turd, and it turned out to be really good. Yes, I, I agree. I thought it was going to be awful. Very, very yeah. good. I didn't. I still haven't seen the the sequel to that. It's more of the same. I assume it's not. It's yeah, it's not like, de- but detrimentally so. Ah, 
kind of like it's it's not bad i i don't regret watching it but i wouldn't necessarily run out to watch it again kind of thing uh the latest candy man was 29 years after the last candy man film was that a sequel though or was that a reboot no so it was, yeah, a, it was sequel. a sequel it was both kind of both uh, okay bill and ted face the music was also 29 years after Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music has been described as one podcaster as the single most average movie ever made. Which I think it, I, I still stand by it. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I, I, I've I described it slightly more positively as it keeps getting better the more I think about it. I don't know why. I think I was just in a shitty place when I watched it for the first time and its message of optimism was kind of what I needed. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it was bad. It, it, I, being average but that's, that, that's, is that's, that is that is that is exactly your point. If it's not that, <laughs> another divisive one, which I don't know if we have time to argue about properly, is one of my favourite films, and that is Mad Max Fury Road, which was thirty years after Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. You think in thirty years they could come up with a story? <laughs> it had a it had a story. It just didn't spoon feed it to you, Graham. <laughs> Mad, Mad, yeah. This is this is the this is my uh, this is my rent. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't I can't even argue against it because I do not understand your point. <laughs> like it's one of those, but we will we will save that for like a, a argument special or something. I haven't seen this one, but you have, and you said it was very good. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife was thirty two years after Ghostbusters two. Yep, love that. Uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine was thirty five years after Blade Runner. Very, that? Yeah, saw it at cinema. Very good. A little on the long side, but um, enjoyed it a lot. Well, we, yeah, because we talked about, we've spoken about Dave Bautista's. Yeah. Uh, oh, of course. Turn yes, it, yes, we? we have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Top Gun Maverick was 36 years after Top Gun, which may or may not be the reason we're doing this episode. <laughs> uh, Doctor Sleep was 38 years after The Shining. Hey, yeah, I still haven't got around to watching that yet. No, I, but I've heard very good things. But again, it is slightly too long for me to. You and McGregor? Yeah, that was an interesting question, <laughs> especially especially as a response to the, the statement, it's slightly too long. <laughs> Ewan McGregor? Yeah, Ewan McGregor, slightly too long. Halloween is technically 40 years after. <laughs> so Halloween, famously the sequel to Halloween that ignores all of the other Halloween films. Um, Scream's got to be up there, right? Uh, ooh, I'm not sure. Scream to Scream. Scream to Scream. Oh, is, is the new Scream a sequel to Scream? Or is it, I don't know. Scream I is a blind is spot still, for me, cinematically. It is technically yeah. still a sequel to Scream 4. Fair. So, but yeah. So this is a fun one. So this is how our spreadsheet works, right? So, again, peek, peek behind the curtain. Again, another, another, another peek behind, behind the curtain. curtain. Yeah. In behind the curtain. Behind the curtain. Again. What's there? We have uh, Google Sheets where we jot down potential ideas for episodes. Legacy Sequels was originally added to that list because of Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So Mary Poppins Returns came out 54 years after Mary Poppins. I bloody love Mary Poppins Returns. I liked it. It was, it was good. It was, again, it's exactly what you needed from a film like that, right? It was just silly with catchy songs. Yeah, and, and Emily Blunt. Is, is Mary Poppins uh, is uh, unlocks some yeah. things that I didn't realise were there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, th- th- so this is the longest. I can't think of the right way to phrase the most legacy of legacy sequels I could find. Okay. So if anybody out there has one with a greater period of time between the two films, let me know. 
But Fantasia 2000 was 59 years after Fantasia. Jeez. I didn't realise Fantasia 2000 was a thing. And also, um, I remember watching Fantasia as a kid and the fact that that was that... I say that long ago, it wasn't, was it? Because that was 35 years ago, so it was only 20-odd years. I was going to say it didn't look that old, but it wasn't that old. I'm I'm just now old. (laughs) Yeah, we are, aren't we? But yeah, so like there is a there is a long a long illustrious history mm. of legacy sequels, basically, and yeah, I mean, I think that there is a there is a good way to do it, there is a bad way to do it, and I think we're going to be exploring that in our choices today. And uh, on that note, yes, uh, Graham, do do you have any movie recommendations nobody would have asked for today? I do, yes, Ian. Thank you very much for teeing that one up. So the whole reason I decided that we should talk about this is exactly as you mentioned, it was because of seeing Top Gun Maverick at the cinema last week. So that is my recommendation. Um, It came out in 1986, the original Top Gun. So we're just over uh, 30, was it 37 years? Yeah. Uh, It is uh, 36 years. 36 years. Oh yeah, 2002. I'm ad- I'm just I'm adding my uh... anyway yes a long time um, which the the scary thing about it is is Tom Cruise doesn't look like he's aged much in between the two. <laughs> Tom Cruise in in his defence there is clearly something in his thetans that has made him <laughs> age very well. Yeah, ab- absolutely. But yeah, it it follows um, it follows uh, Tom Cruise who is still a, a fighter pilot, still doing all of his own stunts, and is back training the youngest set of graduates from the Top Gun Academy for a special mission and we have Goose's son um, who's played by Miles Teller yeah it's great it's everything you expect it to be it's full of cheesy one liners it is uh, got the same level of homoeroticism that the first one had it is out and out over the top action it is entirely predictable but so much fun and I loved it I loved all of it, and it was great. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching it. I just haven't been able to find the time to uh, to go. My one question mm. with Top Gun Maverick is, do they, similar to Top Gun, did they also, to an awkward extent, not mention the name of the other country? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because in Top Gun, <laughs> it's just like... To, to the to just a weird degree, it's like oh, there are enemy planes over there flying over this nondescript ocean. Yep, absolutely. And we are not go- we're not going to narrow it down. They're MIGs, so you can kind of insinuate who they are, but we're not going to say who they are. Yeah, it is. It is essentially the exact. Yeah, yeah, it is exactly the same. So yeah, the the other thing that I find really funny about it is that they've obviously made Miles Teller grow a moustache so he looks a bit like the original Goose, but that's kind of not how genetic. Like you don't have to have the same facial. Like you're not genetically programmed to shave <laughs> your facial hair in the same way as uh, as as your dad. So that's a bit of a strange one. And apparently his wife made him shave it off as soon as they wrapped on the filming. <laughs> I always find that that kind of like you always forget that there's a normal life outside of it all. Yeah, like you know, um, Mackenzie Crook had to get married with his Gareth from the Office hair. <laughs> really, that's brilliant. Yeah, so his <laughs> wedding photos have him with that like obnoxious bowl cut. Excellent, um, which is nice. But yeah, go see it. I will. And if um, okay, so before before we 
do the hilarious uh, build up into what the next recommendation would be. Mm. Um, I just got a Sky News notification right. that I misread as inside Britain's otherworldly chip planet. <laughs> <coughs> and why we would be in big trouble without it. And Plant? Yeah, chip okay. plant. But I basically now have uh, an idea for a great satirical sci-fi movie. Um, so Semiconductor chips. On the yeah 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 anyway so so if you want to watch a film that also at some point might be good for a legacy sequel mm. or prequel but you don't want to be reminded about how well Tom Cruise ages can you think of anything people should watch yes yes I can Ian and actually I would I would love to see a sequel and or prequel or perhaps both. Uh, to this film because then maybe we could recommend something that's not just this movie and we could recommend one of the three iterations of it I'm of course talking about Midsummer. it is fantastic it is glorious and um, you should go see it it's it's a slow burning brightly coloured horror movie it's everything we you want and more from it and yeah I would I actually think a I think it needs I don't think it needs both necessarily because it's fantastic as a standalone but it could you could have a really cool kind of um, prequel like around the Haga and then you could yeah. also have a really cool sequel with Florence Pugh as May Queen and then sort of the the, uh, the fallout of that. So yeah, let's get them both. Come on, Ari. So I, w- I, so I would want to, the way that, the way that I envision it is, so I would want the prequel to be like, the first Haga? Yeah. So, is it the ninth one they're on? So this would be like hundreds of years ago. Yeah, because it's every 70-something years, right? Something like that, yeah. So I would want the first Haga, yeah. which I think would be fascinating to watch. So like a period piece of that. And then the sequel you would want... So it would go one of two ways, right? Because there's a theory with Midsummer that the May Queens get killed. Yeah. Or you would want a sequel set where an older Florence Pugh now leads the commune. Yeah, that's that's what I'm envisioning. Yeah. I like it. Maybe we do uh we, we can we can go super meta with it and uh uh we will be in the film as podcasters doing a true crime podcast and what happened to this missing American student. Yeah and, and then we, we go out we investigating in, um... it. I, I, who do you think? Actually, I reckon, I reckon you're probably more likely to, uh, to piss on a family tree than I am. Out of the two of us, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I would say so. Mainly because I have the bladder of a pregnant woman. <laughs> I will every half hour. Sometimes it's just when you need to go, you need to go. This right? is true. Yeah, but no, I like it. Yeah. I like it. So midsummer. Because the the twist, the twist would then be that she's not dead; she's alive. That would be the then we can have our cake and eat it too, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, so that's it's, the reveal. It's, yeah, I like it. I like Spoilers for a film which is entirely hypothetical and will never be made. Um, oh, you say that. Look, we've got connections. Yeah, we, we'll do it. Let's pitch it. We'll, we'll buzz out our mate uh, Pavel. Hey, we'll, Pavel. Uh, um, yeah, you know, we we'll, spoke we'll for message, like we'll me- <laughs> 20 minutes. We've got an idea and I think you're going to like it. But yeah, okay. So that was uh, those were our film recommendations. Uh, it's time to talk about our top three Legacy sequels we would want to watch, starting with my first choice. Your first choice. My first choice. My first choice. And this was a fun one, because I was considering being a prick and doing three films with the same actor. 
just because I could. I am entering the filmography of one Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I wanted to talk about uh, Arnie films. I was very close to doing... Um, so there's long been mooted a legacy sequel to the Conan films called either The Legend of Conan or King Conan. And basically the idea would be that it would pick up Conan towards the end of his reign. Okay. So it would be an older Arnie kind of, you know, battle scarred and everything and like his last adventure. I didn't want to pick that just because there is a world where that still comes out. So it's always on IMDb and it's always, but it's been like that for, it's like the Crow remake, right? Yeah. Like it's always been kind of floating around and nobody really knows what's going to happen. Arnie is a great guy for this because he hasn't really done a lot of sequels. Like a lot of his films are standalone things from like the 80s and 90s. It's very easy to pick one and just kind of, go out and see where it would end up. And then even his films that do have sequels, he's not necessarily in. Well, and then he, like, rolls out four of the Expendables movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he was kind of ca- cameoing in them, right? So I've decided to go for... And this is the choice that I think you... From your speech in the intro, I think you would appreciate. So this is uh, the 37 years later sequel to... Commando. Mm. I have talked about about on this podcast before how much I love Commando. Commando is a stupid movie, and I have all of the time in the world for it. I've it still is, not seen it. Yeah. It is like let's let's address that within the next few weeks. <laughs> Let, beer, lacto-free pizza, <laughs> Commando, um, and I'm saying that, and I watched. I've watched this. I've watched this within the last month. That also sounds like we're watching it without under our on. <laughs> <laughs> beer lacto free pizza and we're going commando yeah and then we'll watch Conan the Barbarian <laughs> um, so commando is the story of the incredibly named John Matrix who is a retired retired special forces colonel trying to save his daughter it features one of the most bizarre opening sequences in any films where it alternates between him lifting and cutting logs and sharing ice cream with his daughter and a deer. <laughs> so his daughter, after his old team get like taken out, he has to rescue his daughter gets kidnapped. He has to rescue his daughter. Film. The sequel is going to be set 37 years later, obviously. His now adult daughter, uh, Jenny Matrix, um, who, played by a returning... Alyssa Milano. Nice. We're going to say that in this film, she's estranged from her dad. Uh, The way that I would see this film going is... So Jenny Matrix, who will be played, like I said, by Alyssa Milano, who's coming back from the first film, contacts her estranged father after finding out that her daughter has been kidnapped by, like, insert evil group here, right? Like, terrorists, mercenaries, mercenary terrorists, hippies... I don't know. Luton FC. Luton FC. So Luton FC have kidnapped her daughter. Um, I don't know what. What should we say? Should we say Jenny Matrix is a politician? Um, Something like that? I think, well, maybe if... Because Alyssa Milano is like quite into all of her um, like activism stuff. So maybe she's like a... I don't know, top of like Greenpeace or something. Okay, so okay, so Jenny Matrix and then is it's now the evil oil baron has has kidnapped her. Ah, I like it. Okay, so she's like a humanitarian environmentalist kind of yeah. figure, she's um, like a UN envoy kind yeah. of thing. And then big oil 
kidnaps her daughter to try we don't to get know her to... It's, we don't know it's Big yeah. Will. It's Th- terrorists, this'll... and then... Yeah. And then it turns out that they're not terrorists, they're mercenaries hired by, hired by Big Oil. Um, yeah, BP. Um, she... Other, other Big Oil is available. Because because it's Big Oil, which means that they have their, uh, you know, their political side on them, uh, nobody takes this kidnapping seriously. They keep saying that maybe her daughter's just gone, you know, run away or something like that. So yeah. she contacts her estranged dad, who still is just chopping wood in the forest somewhere and building a cabin, <laughs> to come out of retirement one last time to help her uh, rescue her daughter. Because this is a film, her daughter's going to be Zendaya. Yeah. Because this is a film... Mark Strong can play the big oil baron. Nice, yeah, I, I yeah. can, I can see that, yeah. And then obviously, also because this is a film, we'll say he's like, uh, you would want like the detective who turns out to be in the pocket of big oil. So like the guy who's like misleading the case to stop the police getting involved. So corrupt detective Domal Gleason. So we're just going to hit everyone who's appeared in every film. Uh, yeah, straight off the bat. I was going to go with, and I've completely forgotten his name now, Ed Harris is who I was going to go for, with the, the oil guy. Yeah, the only problem with Ed Harris... Is you know he's the bad guy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, spoilers for a film which, again, like it's not really spoilers, is it? Because like the whole point is everyone knows he's bad. Yeah. The incredible masterpiece that is Geostorm. Yeah. When you're cutting it, you've got uh, Andy Garcia as the president, and then you go across the table, and there's just Ed Harris. And at no point do you not think he's a bad guy. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not like the big bad guy in Top Gun Maverick, but Ed Harris flashed up on screen. I was like, oh, he's going to be, he's he's gonna gonna be, be an antagonist of some sort. Yeah. At the, <laughs> yeah. At the very least, he's an antagonistically good guy. <laughs> right? He's always a, he's a little bit of a road bump at the very least. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Yeah. Fuck it. We'll get, uh, we'll get Ed Harris in as well. So Ed Harris, um, Mark Strong will have a cameo somewhere just so he's still involved. And yeah, I just think it would, like I said, like the good thing with Arnie is he's done, he's doing a lot now, I think, of kind of the, I want to say older figure roles, but he has to because he's now an old figure. 70-ish? 75. So he was 1947. It's a lot of maths today, Ian. It's a lot of maths today. It's, uh, yeah, because he is returning kind of a lot to kind of the roles like this because obviously he famously did... He doesn't do a lot of sequels unless it is the Terminator films, apparently. Yeah. So he's returned to that kind of role. Um, I know he's at least lent his voice to the Predator video game. I, I think it would. I, I think it would be good, and I, I, it would just be nice to see again, kind of like the, the, the just the out and out action hero in a slightly more kind of vulnerable position, right? Like it would be good to see kind of what what age has done to a figure like John Matrix, or. He still, you don't address that at all, and he is just as badass, and it is just as one-dimensional as the first film. Because I would also love the, f- I would love that. If you know, like he just comes out, just again, just all guns blazing, all one-liners. There is no look at the fragility of mankind and masculinity. It is just exactly the same guy, just older. I think, I think that, that kind of that appeals to me more. In the, yeah, in the right. sense that, like as I was saying with Top Gun Maverick. It's basically the same film. It's 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 different enough that you can you can buy it as a as a different movie. But like it's you you're getting the same formula that worked thirty plus years ago, just yeah. doing it again. 
and why not? Yeah, and like obviously Big Oil's then going to send out a, a group of bad guys to get John Matrix as well. So then we've got all of the fucking casting implications there too. I just think, it would, yeah, I, I just really want to fucking see it. Like, it, it, would, it would be stupid, but like you said with Top Gun, that's fine. I want another Commando. Like, a Commando sequel also isn't going to ruin the first Commando. Because it's fucking Commando. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it is just silly. It also forced me to... Do you remember we went to see John Wick 3 and I hadn't seen John Wick 1 or 2 yet? So I watched yes. them both in the morning and then watched John Wick 3 in the afternoon. It would force me to do that. Yeah, right. And I mean, more people need to be forced to watch Commando because it is a fucking <laughs> great... It is, it is kind of like forgotten, I think, a bit with Arnie. Just because, like, Predator exists, right? Yeah. But for me, I don't want to say Commando was a big part of growing up, but I was I was trained from a very early age that Commando was an incredible film. It is, it is definitely on the list of films that Dad made me watch far too early. Nice. It has some of the best one-liners in, so we'll get more one-liners in the sequel. Uh, the one thing that I would... Because the, the, so the, his granddaughter, for me, has to be played by a badass. Yeah. Like, the, the one thing that I would kind of you'd want in a film like this is that they have to be preferably i want him to get there and she's already escaped yeah just because one i think that would be fucking funny you know after all of this it turns out she didn't need help escaping anyway but then that also sets up the possibility for additional films right so the new commando would be the granddaughter character and again, obviously, I don't think the day is busy enough, right? I mean, I know she's in every film ever made, but surely, surely there's enough time. And I say, I, I, I say that flippantly. She is a very, very good actor. Yeah, she, she is. She is very good. But yeah, no, I, I like the idea. I like the, um, I like the fact of kind of just more of the same. And again, just just to hark back when you were talking about that, it reminded me of the fact that Top Gun Maverick starts with Danger Zone. Like that's oh, how really? on that's how on the nose it is of being a like Top Gun sequel. <laughs> okay, well then, then so this film will open with um, exactly the same intro of him uh, carrying logs and cutting logs and eating ice cream in the forest, just with like just a gap where his daughter's character should have been, <laughs> and just whenever well, it's either that, that goes... or you get Alyssa Milano doing that in the forest. Ah, but we got to have them estranged. I, I want the I want the added drama of estrangement. No, no, that's fine. But what I mean is, it's her doing all of that, not with him. Oh, okay, all right, sold. It's just yeah, all her right. replacing. Okay. she's doing it. So you cut from with with her daughter as well. So you cut from, and it works, right? She's she's all into yeah. like being self sufficient and stuff. She's not using fossil fuel. She's she's cutting down and replanting trees. Cut into Alyssa Milano's bicep. Cut yeah. to feeding ice cream to a deer, and, <laughs> and obviously, like the daughter, like, like I said, I, I did say Zendaya, but also again because this is a film and it is a child, or it could be a child role. So obviously, if it's Zendaya, it's a bit older. If you wanted yeah. to go younger, you cast anyone from Stranger Things because I think that's now the done thing. Yeah, I think so. Although, don't they have to? Oh no, I suppose some of them have to just be in horror movies, but because um, the the guy who uh, is it Finn Wolf. Hard? Is that the I think so. No, no, I, th- I, I mean, think it's, it's that. It's, it's a great surname, but he's he's like just in horror movies, right? I think so. Yeah, pretty much. Because he was also in it, wasn't he? Yeah. And then Ghostbusters. Yeah. And then Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah. And all those other things. He's quite. He's very funny in it because he's just a prick. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I still haven't seen it too. It. Part oh, two. you need to see it. It's very good. Like the first one, I think is better, but just the casting does it for yeah. me. 
Bill Hader yeah. is very good at it. Oh, Bill Hader is fucking incredible. But yeah, okay. So, uh, Commando. It just it, it just works. So, for Ian's first choice, he is going Commando. I am going Commando. And you can only see on the on the webcam as well. You can only see me from the chest up. So, for all this you know, for all you know. So, peek behind the curtain here. Again, another 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 peek behind, behind the curtain. The curtain here. Peek behind the curtain. Behind the curtain. Again, what's there? Um, straight into a peek behind the curtain. So we're going straight from the transition music into a jingle. This is the longest we have left it between recording sections. So we recorded the beginning. Yep. And heads up, guys, I tried to edit out all of my coughing. Uh, so apologies if some slipped in. But between recording last section and this section, I've had and recovered from COVID again. <laughs> Yep. And we've recorded an entire recorded and released an entire other episode. Because uh the the illustrious Rajiv Carrier uh tweeted something along the lines of it's about that time I appear in a podcast to promote my Edinburgh show and we thought, fuck it, let's go yep, for it. Let's go for it indeed. So, so yeah. Yeah, so what, two weeks? Two and a half weeks? No. Nearly four, I think. Wow. Nearly four. That's I've fine. been I've been to and back from the Lake District. Bowie started doggy daycare. Like there's been a lot of things that have happened in between. I've looked after Bowie. You have. Yeah, yeah, you have. I have, and he was an absolute <laughs> cunt. Do you know what? Ever since oh. then, he has not made a single noise during the night. So, <laughs> well, no, like I like I said, so I'm not I'm not going to go into it. But I had to sleep with Graham's dog. Um, ever since I messaged you saying he was being a cunt, he's been fine. Yeah. Ma- so again, like like I told you, I think he's reading my text. Yeah, and look, it's just an example that you know we should call people out on their bullshit, and it might improve them as human beings yeah. and or French bulldogs. Bullshit bulldog. Um, so a, a quick a quick summary before you dive into yep. your section. Legacy yep. sequels have to be twenty five yep, years part. after the thing. My first shout was Commander. Ah, yeah, Commander. Yeah, yeah. There we go. And I watched. This was all because I watched uh, Top Gun Maverick uh, about six months ago now. <laughs> Yep, but the it was on our collective list because of Mary Poppins' return. Yes, there we go. You caught you caught up. The benefit of editing this podcast is I've had to I've re-listened to it. All. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so at uh, your choice, Greg. My first choice. So um, I'm going to go. So everything. Whilst we have got a 25 year kind of cap on on how far we go back. Oh, am I recording? Yes, I am recording, which is good. <laughs> This fun fun fact as well, uh, the cold open of this episode, uh, no, not even the cold open, the welcome to the podcast nobody asked for is drawn out because I wasn't sure if I was recording. So that was a nice accidental throwback to something that happened four weeks ago. If anything, a legacy sequel to it. Um, That's why we did it. That's That's why we've done this. It was a conscious choice. Yes, all of of our genius is conscious. So there's a 25 year gap, but... Everything I've gone for is actually released before I was born. So the fir- I'm going to go in the order of when these films are released. So the first one was in 1979, which, uh, by my calculations, 43 years ago, which is insane, was... I don't think it was. I don't think we quite call it a smash hit, but definitely a cult classic. And that is the Warriors. So the Warriors is is an interesting one because um, it's obviously it's had a bit of a second life through video game that came out um, 
I want to say in like the mid 2010s, maybe mid 2000s. I, I, yeah, I because uh, it was PS2. Yeah, it was. I'd say it's yeah. 2005, so quite a quite a while ago. So it was a Rockstar game, and it kind of talks about the. It expands on the original story of the film, and it's all about the kind of rise. Uh, takes place before the Warriors kind of rise to rise to power. But I think the m- more interesting, and obviously that I think there's some comic books as well, which I haven't read, but again expand a little bit on the um, existing movie. Obviously, a long time has passed between the New York of the late 70s and the New York of 2022 and I think arguably we're in a place where New York is not quite the the kind of terrifying crime-ridden place that it was back then you know there was you wouldn't walk through Central Park kind of thing back in the late 70s and 80s and New York as a city is really I guess kind of for want of a better word cleaned up its act it is one of the kind of top tourist destinations uh, certainly one of my favorite places to go and you don't necessarily have this i mean i suppose probably in parts but there's not really this kind of gang culture there that was reflected in in the warriors and back back in the back in the 70s what it what we do still have is the i guess the social issues that were kind of so I think the Warriors, whilst it is predominantly about kind of gang culture and thing, it is also a lens into the reason for those subcultures as a result of the economic scenarios and, and the kind of class scenarios in New York at the time. And whilst we don't necessarily have the same gang culture, I think we do still have a lot of the social problems. And I mean, 20, 2022 has is rife with um, potential issues that you could kind of take a a look at uh, that warriors a warrior sequel could be a lens for you could look at you know life in a post-covid world in a big city you could look at i guess the the move towards another recession that we're probably heading towards there's a lot of things that could you know be a catalyst for why these kind of gangs could pop up again and also how you could kind of tackle that kind of through the lens of another warriors movie so that's the kind of the angle i'd like to take the other really critical thing for me here is that i think it's fair to say that the warriors is quite a campy film i think i think that i don't think we would get many complaints <laughs> um so i would very much like to see the transition from what 79 warriors to 2022 warriors very similar to the original drudge dread and dread okay that's yeah. kind of the the tonal shift i'd like to see right because i think they're both good movies in their own right judge dread and dread but dread is phenomenal phenomenal and really kind of goes down the route of what that source and you know warriors doesn't necessarily have the same source material but the source material for dread feels much more aligned than what we got with um stallone's judge dread well technically the source material for the Warriors was West Side Story. Well, this is this is true, <laughs> but that is that is a uh, tri- trivia trivia we have covered previously. Source material, I suppose, inspiration, I guess, is slightly yeah. slightly closer, but yeah, but that doesn't as align with uh, the joke. Um, <laughs> okay, so we're going gritty over campy, gritty over campy. So less Adam West, more Christian Bale. Yeah, although okay. I would, God, a gritty reboot of The Warriors would be fucking interesting, wouldn't it? I think so, and I think it's just, yeah, really kind of bringing it up to date. The the way that I kind of see it 
is there's two options for us to go with this idea. So the basic idea is everything is so shit now that the the gangs of that era kind of resurface, resurface, right? Yeah. So either you go like the oh, I'm trying to think of an exact like a I guess can't no not Fight Club really, but like so you would have like the the old gang members are like fucking accountants or something yeah. or working in the real world and they then fall back into old behavior you know like pulling out their old gang uniforms and and shit like that right or you go like the joker route and suddenly you have like um you'd have a figurehead who i'm assuming would be an old cast member and then suddenly all of these people are taking the streets dressed as the fucking warriors or the gramercy riffs or the baseball furies or whatever yeah so i think there's definitely something there and i think there is also like a big call for kind of like again like civil unrest films now speaking speaking from a distinctly uh british standpoint where i honestly think we're about two months away from a fucking general strike yeah so and we've had it'll be yeah we've had elements of it right like with the purge movies and i think they are you know closely aligned with a lot of the stuff in the us of like trump and things like that but yeah i, I completely agree with you it feels now more than ever you could even have a you know a bit of a kind of cold war too stance to it as well which i feel like is what yeah. we're going through at the moment with the tensions between russia and the us and china and taiwan and ukraine and everything like that and you know is there a kind of parable there that that can be explained away because yeah there's essentially take your pick everything in 2022 is pretty rubbish and could be a catalyst yeah. or a spark for something and, like this and, and the answer is leather vests <laughs> battle jackets um, yeah. who who would you cast what would who would you have uh appearing in it oh um like, obviously like would you go cameos from the old film or would they be the main characters i i kind of feel like there would be a couple of cameos from like and these you know bearing in mind these people are going to be in their 60s <laughs> now yeah i would suggest that they the way that they would interact with this i guess from like a uh God, what's his name? The guy in Karate Kid. Help me out here. Oh fuck, Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> oh, Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh... I, I, I thought, I thought you meant the kid because no, no. he's appeared in a load of oh, legacy shows. Dan- Daniel San. No, so like from a Mr. Miyagi kind of perspective of like that, he's there, kind of the the top of the um, kind of advising and ex- kind of filtering down their experiences and and what the warriors and and that kind of time meant to them but i think you really need you know for the for the bulk of it you need up and coming young actors you've got your i guess as we've spoken about a lot recently like will Poulter would probably be a a good shout for for someone and that's particularly in his in the shape that he's in at present um why not make it a a reunion from midsummer we'll chuck in chili from the good place as well but yeah like a cast of um of young young up-and-coming actors who are yeah i guess in in their in their prime sod it florence Pugh. so it's just the cast it's just the cast of midsummer just the cast of midsummer (laughs) jack rayner we'll get them all in the guy who plays pella from the good place yeah fuck it yeah all right why not yeah the cast (laughs) of the good place doing warriors warriors two warriors Come out to play. What? What are you? Um, what are you warriors, but like Warriors Twenty Two because we're we're modern now. Ah, uh, I like I like it. Yeah. I like it. So that you're going the Blade Runner route. Yeah, basically. 
just with less Harrison Ford. Nice. However, I never did. Uh, Dave Batista would be a good shout for for. Uh, oh God, uh, Dave Dave <laughs> Batista should be the um, like a cameo at the beginning. Uh, he needs to be the new guy trying to, or he'll appear at the end. And he's going to be the guy who now suggests that we unite all the gangs that have appeared. So that then loops back around to the beginning of Warriors. Yeah. Just just to hark back to my previous choice, if we're naming the films, uh, my sequel to Commando is going to be called Commandos. As in Predators. As in Predators, yeah. Or Aliens. Neither of which I think count as legacy sequels. They're just fucking good sequels. They are very good sequels. But yeah, that's 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 the idea here. Like, lose the camp go down the dread route and then let's utilize the backdrop of the last few years to really provide the uh, setting for a, a, a dystopian present of 2022 where the warriors are coming out to play again okay so this film is actually the reason why we picked 25 years because i asked really nicely to bring it down from the 30 <laughs> that you initially said so this is a sequel to a mid-90s film, and the sequel is going to be called The Thilda, The Professional. Nice. So this uh, isn't a sequel to 1996's Matilda. As much fun as having a film about a telekinetic hit woman would be. You know, child genius, grown up, thrown off the shackles of oppression, and is now a hit woman for hire. I, I would still watch It's it. a hell of a crossover. I mean, it's a different episode, but it's a hell of a crossover. Hell of a crossover. <laughs> um, good, char- good, good characters who should break bad? Yeah, I like that. I wonder if... Um, is, is she out to kind of finish off Miss Trunchbull once and for all? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Either that or, like, it turns out that Miss Honey is kind of like a... Um, like a... She's she heads up some some gangs and she's got some hits that she gives out to Matilda now that she knows that she's a um, that she's a you know a deadly assassin with telekinetic abilities. It's somewhat yeah. Well, it's it, it's it would be a honey trap. Oh, that is a good fucking. Uh, that's a good. That will be the spin off like John Wick style spin off series. Yeah, Honey Trap will follow a young Miss Honey coming through the ranks of this gang, or she's CIA. Or something like that. Yeah. And basically, Matilda was a secret kindergarten cop. Uh, yeah, and this her her as a, like uh, the, the best teacher in town was just it was just her cover for for six yeah, years to, to to like we're we're bringing in all of the film references. Yeah. So she's kind of like it's like kindergarten cop meets Professor Xavier. Yeah, with a bit of um, was it Red Sparrow the Jennifer yes yeah thingy film? yeah yeah that's that yeah with kind of the. Uh, so them. Miss Miss Honey's been brought in to recruit Matilda. Yeah, I like it. I I'm not I'm not going to lie, Graham. I'm very close to a last minute pivot <laughs> to Matilda the Professional. But let let's go let's go with my my actual choice. So Matilda the Professional is it is it is an often mooted sequel to 1994's Leon. Yeah, I've mentioned in the intro if you remember that that I didn't really want to pick things that sequels were kind of already planned for, but they've already made a film based off of their initial idea for it, so I feel like this is fair game. Yeah. So I think uh, Col- Columbina, something like that, which is Zoe, uh, Zoe Saldana action film, was apparently based on their initial ideas for what uh, Mathilda film would be. Um, so Mathilda the Professional is going to pick up 28 years after Leon, 
um, and it is going to be following uh, a returning Natalie Portman's Mathilda as she becomes or as she is a successful hit woman. So obviously Leon follows uh, Leon, played by John Renault, who takes um, this young girl under his wing and basically trains her to be a hit woman. It is, it's an incredible film that you would avoid thinking about certain bits of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's, I think a sequel would kind of, so the, the the main reason I want a sequel is one, I really want to see Natalie Portman do fucking action films. Like I, I she's an incredible actress. I think we need more of her. And I think this could be a really interesting, uh, there is an interesting story here. Um, and also I think it would, it would help us kind of look at and analyze kind of parts of the the film, which I think would be interesting to things in action films, the long lasting repercussion of action films never get looked at. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be interesting. So the way that I kind of see this film events happen um, that cause. So we're not going to go corrupt cop this time. We're going to go stereotypical, like gang leader, uh, so mob boss of an area similar to the first film kills a family leaves a kid alive Mathilda then takes the kids under her wing because obviously you know pay it forward you, and all of you that know stuff, where right? this could be a, another great crossover is the kid is the kid from Kill Bill uh, that gets left alive after uh, Uma Thurman after the bride takes out um, I forget God, what's her name? The actress. Her mum. Yeah, I can't think, but I know who you mean. Her mum. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so ga- gang leader, and I have cast the gang leader because I wasn't sure who I wanted as him. Yeah. Or, or wanted as them. And then since recording this, Batgirl got cancelled, which means we had Brendan Fraser as a villain cruelly taken away from us. So I want the villain here to be Brendan Fraser. Like... A massively fucked up and sadistic Brendan Fraser, which I think could be really fucking cool. M- messed up because of his upbringing in the jungle. Yeah, exactly. So he's a he's a gang leader who was raised in the jungle by monkeys. Oh, there was a monkey. monkey? He's a gorilla. He's gorilla. a gorilla, isn't it? Yeah. Ra- raised by gorillas. Yeah. So fuck it. We'll call he is the gorilla. That is his uh, mob boss name. Yeah. I also then want a retired. A police character who has kind of been trying to they've con- connected the whole leon to mathilda thing and is trying to you know it's the case that they got obsessed with and i would want viola davis because viola davis is an incredible actor mm. and i think she would suit something like this for the kid it's a difficult one because i i would i would want to pay respects to the first film and basically cast an unknown like yeah, we we could we could go the traditional someone from Stranger Things, but I think casting an unknown in a role like that would be more suitable. You want to give someone a break rather than just uh, getting the same four child actors out at every possible opportunity. Yeah, it's either that. I'd be interested in the kid who plays Jojo Rabbit to see him in in something else. Oh, yeah. We've obviously seen Yorkie in a few, in a couple of other scenarios. Yeah, he he plays a very specific role in Jojo Rabbit that is and it'd be interesting, right, because he is this he thinks he's a hard man, but actually is really soft and, you know, it doesn't live up to the ideals that uh his kind of Nazi brainwashing mm. thinks he should. But flip and reverse it, taking him to someone who is quite vulnerable 
in a situation where his family's been murdered to someone who actually is kind of a bloodthirsty killer. So the a kind of a complete flip of um, of his Jojo Rabbit experience. Yeah, it's funny you say that because the first person that came to mind for me was Thomasin McKenzie, who is in Jojo yeah. Rabbit. But I think she's too old. Yeah, she's actually she's, um, like she's, tw- she's twenty two. She? Okay, twenty two. But obviously, uh, Natalie Portman I think was fifteen, sixteen yeah. when she did this. So I I, I think having yeah. Uh, a Jojo Rabbit, that's a very good idea, actually. But what I want to do is use this. So Mathilda taking uh, taking somebody under her wing in the same way that Leon did to her helps her kind of process and realise how fucked up that entire first film was. <laughs> right? So I, I think it would be really interesting of in kind of training someone up, she starts to realise that this isn't really the the life that she wanted or the right thing to do. And it's going to be sending this kid down this wrong path. And whether we end in a similarly spectacular fashion, I'm undecided as of yet, because part of me wants her to, she, because I mean, she's, she's a victim in so many fucking ways in Leon. Yeah. From the family to the fact that the kindest person in her life was a professional killer who trained her to kill people. Like she hasn't had the easy time. So I would like her to, Maybe fake her own death at the end to get out of it. And the big kind of... I, I, I think with the two films combined, I think that would be a really interesting kind of descent and redemption of a character. Yeah. Silence um, of the Lambs. I mean, it. She just rocks up on like... A, she makes a phone call from a uh, tropical island. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. With less wearing people's faces. Less, less, probably less wearing people's faces. But I think it would it would have a lot of benefits because I think, one, it could be a really... Again, it could be a really good film. It's a fucking hitman thriller. And two, it would kind of like... I, I, I don't like films that fuck... Like legacy sequels that change things in the first. Yeah. Or sequels that like Saw was awful for that. Where if you change too much... Like if you suddenly have it as... Oh, by the way, there was this guy hiding behind a wall that we never noticed. Like, no. Like it has to be a follow-on. You can't like just change things around. Yeah. But it does give a good like retrospect to kind of answer a lot of questions that were kind of hanging over it and again just kind of trace that the damage that all of that would have caused and yeah i would watch that i think it would be really interesting i don't know who i would want doing it um in terms of kind of the behind the camera team it's it's getting the, the john wick team in i reckon I was, yeah, it's between those or it was a stuntman who did um, Extraction, right? Yeah. Chris Evans' stuntman? Christopher, it was, uh, I can't remember. Christa Berg? He, I don't think he was. Chris, yeah, Christa Berg's yeah. stuntman. Yeah, I, actually, no, I think it is the John Wick team, isn't it? Yeah, so I think it's got the John Wick team on yeah. it. Which then again, because uh, Leon, I think, Leon is always remembered, and rightly so, for Gary Oldman yeah. in the role of a lifetime. <laughs> but the fight scene like the shootout in the the apartment i think gets forgotten a lot because everyone just remembers gary oldman screaming everyone and the end they don't re- quite remember like how fucking badass that entire mm. last third of the film is i think the john wick team would be able to create new new moments for us but yeah yeah Math- Mathilda the Professional at a push. Matilda the Professional. I would watch either of those fucking films. Yeah, I feel like we 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 used up a choice for a future uh, mashup episode there. <laughs> I'll be fine. 
Uh, it just means we've re-recorded re-record- it already. This is true. I am going to go... So we're, we're skipping on a few years here to 1982. And I'm going to go down a well-trodden path. Some A film that we probably mentioned more than any other and has appeared in, well, in theory, every single episode that we've uh, that we've spoken about. I'm, of course, talking about John Carpenter's The Thing. We we have we have spoken about it at length. We've uh, gushed over how much we love it as a movie, and um, we've spoken about uh, the the failed attempt at a remake. Interestingly, similar to The Warriors, it has some of its best kind of future legs, which is quite funny because of all of the the legs that are in the movie with like the spider head and things. Um, but a lot of the, the a lot of the stuff that was a success of the future was around like the video game and comics i think dark horse did a the comic series but ultimately i'd love to see the thing in you know 40 years time this has laid dormant in the arctic and because of global warming and climate change we we see the um the ice for, for first choice detailed look into politics second choice climate change yep I'm uh, I'm 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 taking my uh, <laughs> I'm taking my stance as a as a as a director who is in, in, who is concerned with the important aspects and challenges we face as a civilization Ian. And yeah. this is this is what happens when we have time to think about our Yeah, choices. this is this is this it is just the ends, it goes away from you know what, I'm gonna make a Lego adaptation of the Lego movie <laughs> yeah. to you know what? At a proper foundation level, life is meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly that. But yeah, I I like the idea of like you know the the ice slowly melting, and the interesting thing, right? We never truly know where the thing kind of ended up at the end of the thing, um, and uh, obviously you've got the kind of final scene with um, McCready and Childs, kind of sharing a bottle of whiskey and what you assume is them freezing to death and that being the end of it but i like the idea of the the opening shot of the 2022 thing is where they lay kind of defrosting as it were as a result of climate change and then uh kurt russell sits back up he he was the thing all along or the thing was him Mm -hmm. all along and then how that then propagates into spreading throughout the world in 2022. And again, you know, not only can we have a commentary on on the, you know, climate change and the importance of keeping things as they are, we've just gone through a global pandemic and um, I feel like the thing is a perfect allegory for uh, for how that can be kicked off and spread and potentially maintained. Whether or not we turn to Big Pharma and uh, get AstraZeneca involved to figure out a the thing vaccine uh, i don't know but yeah certainly uh you just seeing i guess out it's a very similar idea to the jurassic park sequels in the the first film was very much contained and then the sequel is that this is unleashed this is getting taking over larger parts of the world and what the implications are for you know the thing being out and about not just in an arctic research station you'd still use practical effects as you know as we've kind of spoken about at length that's one of the best things about this movie kurt russell's back because he is the thing and he's the the beginning of the the spread of it and 
yeah, then you kind of you've got to get. I think I think it goes down a similar route. And whilst you know it's kind of played out in the first one about the elements of kind of distrust, etc. I think you need a you know you need the the there's a scientist that figures out what's going on. He's kind of you, you know proposing to let's say the US government because that's usually where these things go that we need to contain this we need to make sure that we're aware of everyone that who is the thing who isn't the thing and and maintain it capture it and destroy it you know if we're going to talk about aspects of of society there could be commentary here on the use of things like ID cards and mass surveillance as well Um, so voter fraud it's everything (laughs) stop the steal Um, but yeah I think there's there's all of these um, and I do think that that it's interesting right that you could you could bring these elements into it but uh, yeah how how we in modern times would deal with an outbreak of the thing the distrust of those in power or at least those who claim to be experts on these things as well which is a massive thing in society as, as we are now yeah. so yeah i think there's a lot of ways that this can be framed and look get it's it's such a good movie and it deserves um better than the remake so so it's kind of going like alien aliens yeah i'd so say it's so. going from a very claustrophobic what is it we can't see it kind of vibe to uh look there's a fuckload of them. yeah exactly that yeah where where would you set it um, like, pre- I, I know you said it will get out, but like predominantly, predominantly it's going to be okay. So it's there in the Arctic, right? In the original. So let's yeah. say they make their way to Alaska, and that becomes a point of U.S. interest because it's obviously on U.S. soil, and then it's slowly coming down the sort of northwestern coast of of the U.S. and, and Canada. Interesting, because it would be what I do like with. And this will be the first compliment the Lost World has had in a very long time. <laughs> what I do like sometimes with sequels is taking them out of the... And again, it's kind of what Alien did, I guess. Taking them out of the area you're used to them being in and dropping them somewhere else. Like yeah. Predator in the city and things like that. Was, that sounds like a romantic comedy. It sounds like a romantic <laughs> comedy or it sounds like the... Uh, it sounds like a, a, a song or, or a song title. What's the... In the city, there's a song. I can't think of what it is, but I'm fairly sh- yeah. I'm, I'm just hearing... sure that was on the Vice City soundtrack. It yeah. may well be, but I'm just hearing Predator in the City as like a an electro eighties uh, song. Anyway, you, you, as as you mentioned, praise yeah. for the lost world. Praise for the lost world. Vince Vaughn was in it, which a lot of people forget. I'm go- I'm just he was googling like the, the babysitter. Uh, no, I think he was he was on the team. Oh, um, he, but well, sorry, but island. he was babysitting the kids in the, and it gets pushed off the edge of the island, and the glass is cracking. I think he's so. in that bit. I think maybe, yeah. And then he stomped a velociraptor head through a toilet, or something like that. Possibly, I, I, I have not watched The Lost World in ages. That was a, that was a brawling cell block ninety nine reference. Nice. I don't I think like he it. actually decapitated a velociraptor in a toilet. I mean. For all, for, for all I know, all I heard was stomp. Ah. I think if you said decapitate, I might have gone, ooh, he's doing a brawl in Jurassic Park joke. <laughs> Instead, you thought it was a, a Broadway joke about um, banging some yeah, st- yeah, trash Yeah, I thought, I thought they, uh, they, they just did stomp. But it's, 
Lost World's one of those films where the last time I watched it, I wasn't of an age to critically assess movies correctly. So, like, I remember Lost World being brilliant. I really like the Lost but World. I, deep, but deep down, I know it must be shit. Like, I know I'd watch it again now, and it's like, oh, no, I just like dinosaurs. <laughs> Give me more dinosaurs. I would like dinosaurs, please. Yeah. But, yeah, I like it. Uh, and the title of this film. Well, I'm just going to go down the, the aliens route, and it's things. Things. Nice. <laughs> Final choice. Final choice. And- this is an interesting one because if this film was announced, I think I'd be annoyed. But because I've because I've thought about it myself and come to the decision without it being imposed on me, I'm okay with it. So this is this is very much the legacy sequel of the the plot didn't really the plot doesn't need a continuation, but I really want to revisit the world. Okay. The world for me is incredible it is a it's a jim henson thing and anyone who's listened to more than half an hour of this podcast before will know that i am completely obsessed with that kind of thing so this is the 37 year legacy sequel to labyrinth so the world of labyrinth i think is fucking amazing i love how it's designed i love how it's put together i just love how kind of stupid and silly it is and i'll stop for want of a better phrase, I'll stop gushing about puppets in a minute. <laughs> I like that every single every single centimeter of the frame at any point of the film is completely alive, and it all had to be thought about and managed. And I just find that in- incredible. Obviously, if someone said they're doing a sequel to Labyrinth, my response would probably be, "God, they don't need to do a fucking sequel to Labyrinth." But now I've thought about it, I would really like the so the and again. The, <laughs> We've talked about this at length before, but the prequel they did to Dark Crystal mm. was really, really good to the point I nearly had a nervous breakdown about it. Shout out to uh, your friend who fancies the puppets from Dark Crystal. Just Shout out to my friend who fancies the puppets from Dark Crystal. Um, the the f- Not that it's okay, but when they were young and it was the film, this wasn't something they decided with... <laughs> I, I, the TV series came out. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like it was the, the the more humanoid puppets rather than like the turkey vulture things that that made well, it you, better. If, but if if you're going to want to fuck a puppet, it's better to uh, on the spectrum of fu- puppet fuck <laughs> puppet fuckery. But yeah, so the Dark Crystal uh, the Dark Crystal TV series was really really good, and again, it just kind of embellished the world rather than detracting anything from from the movie like i said it was so well done and beautiful that i properly had moments about thinking that i'd wasted my life which is nice so this is quite a heavy episode today i I like the idea that that you had those feelings when you watched it as a child you're like seven (laughs) years old like what have i done with my life i should i could have been doing something like this but instead (laughs) i'm i've sold my soul to the rat race (laughs) i could have been animating rats in an actual race so I was trying to piece together what this film would be and then my fiance Alex came up with the idea and it is better than anything I could have done. So this is going to be a sequel. It's going to obviously going to be set uh, 36, 37 years after the first film. It's predominantly going to be about... The, the main plot is going to be... So uh, Jennifer, a returning Jennifer Connelly, who played Sarah in the first film, uh, now has kids. She is going to be a... 
successful uh, children's books, uh, children's book author who has written stories about her time in the labyrinth. Nice. Is is um is David Bowie her deceased husband? And now uh, no, she's so now she's uh, kind of out dating, and that's why she leaves the house. There'll be um. There'll be Bowie references, obviously, but like in a very like Jumanji, Jumanji Robin Williams kind of way. Yeah. So Sarah goes missing, and it is on her children to find out where she's gone. Uh, her children, because this is a film, will probably be played by a combination of people from Stranger Things. And they basically, you know, they come to realize that the labyrinth was all true and it's real, and they travel to the labyrinth to find out where Sarah has gone. When they get to the labyrinth, they discover that Jareth, the Goblin King, has gone missing. And in his place are a number of factions trying to replace him. And this is where we could get some just absolutely insane character design. So the couple I've listed, and I was going to say guess why I've listed them, but you'd probably be able to think of that immediately. So... We're going to have like a captain of the guard kind of character who mm. is going to be either played or voiced by Jermaine Clement. Okay. Because this is a fantasy film, uh, Tilda Swinton would also fit the part. And then we'll have a like a, a dwarf king kind of character played by Gary Oldman. Nice. I like it. I, I'm going to throw one out there, which is maybe a little bit left field, but I think would potentially work quite well. Someone trying to very much be a successor to the Goblin King in quite the flamboyant way that David Bowie was. And that would be Mr. Harry Styles. Oh, that's really fucking good. Yeah, all right. We'll chuck Harry Styles in there. And I mean, I will, I will, I will go on record. I quite like Harry Styles. I, he, seems like a, he seems like a stand-up guy. He's been very good in everything I've seen him in. And his latest album's really fucking catchy. So, fuck it. I also think he's got a lot of, like... And this, not to me saying that he's the illegitimate son of David Bowie, but he's got a lot of Bowie DNA in him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's happy to kind of wear what the hell he wants. He's happy if to... If you didn't know who Harry Styles was, and someone told you, I've got this album from the 70s I've been listening to, <laughs> and you listened to his new album, you, you would believe it. Yeah, and there's a lot of, like... You know, he's very, um, very happy to kind of do what he wants, reinvent himself. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that that would that would work quite well. Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. I was also going to throw in uh, Marion Coutillier. Yeah. Um, uh, So basically, like basically everyone I've named, with the exception of Harry Styles, has been in David Bowie music videos or famously portrayed him in an episode of Flight of the Concords. Yeah. And I think they would all kind of fit. And I think if anyone's going to say, hey, you want to... Uh... This is kind of like the... When Heath Ledger died halfway through Dr. Parnassus and they got a load of different people to play aspects of him. Yeah. Like, it's basically that. <laughs> the big twist is going to be that Sarah and the character Sididimus, because I just like saying that word, they weren't like kidnapped or anything. Basically, they found out the Goblin King was dead and they wanted to chuck their hats in the ring as well. So... uh and this is fun. I wrote these notes before I realised how uh, this episode was going to trend. But, and I quote from something I wrote four weeks ago, 
realising the modern world is awful, <laughs> Sarah has decided to try and become the Goblin Queen and take over the labyrinth. So they get there and realise that their mum hasn't gone missing. She just just prefers the labyrinth. She which, prefers the labyrinth you know, to a nine-to-five and raising you little brats. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like... Fair, fair to her in this plot I've just made up. I regularly choose the labyrinth over real life. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I, I think it, I think it's good. I, I'm not again. I, I don't know who I would actually cast as the kids, but yeah, we can, we can mine the Stranger Thing rock face uh, one last time. Oh, and obviously, uh, I, I'm assuming Duncan Jones is directing. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's go for it. We'll, we'll get. Uh, the the dream team of him and uh is it Brian Henson? Yes, I think you're right. Who uh has kind of taken over a lot of the Henson stuff. E- extremely uh, important question. Does Ludo make an appearance? Uh, all all of your favorite people come back. Favorite people and puppets. And puppets. So Brian Henson he was he was Hoggle in Labyrinth. Nice. And he also then went on to direct uh the Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island. Um and Right, th- th- this film didn't like The Happy Time Murders. So I was just about to suggest was that was that him as well? Yeah. Um I know they want it I don't think it was quite the film it was set out to be, but I it was fun. It was just a stupid um, R-rated comedy. Yeah. And yeah, it, it gets a lot, I think, of undue hate. But but yeah, we'll get we'll get Brian Brian Henson and Duncan Jones. And yeah, I, I just I would love to it's it's the similar to why I'm quite looking forward to the new like Game of Thrones series and the new Lord of the Rings series, because it, it's for me, the story's secondary. I just want to be back there, right? Like it's such an interesting world and place to explore that i'm not going to turn down the opportunity to do it it's why i quite like the and again i the lord of the rings are another level in terms of how good films can be but i quite enjoyed the hobbit movies like i I don't think that there were they unnecessary sure but just kind of being in that world and things like that was quite quite fun it was they were less good and more fun yeah, but I think could, so. Yeah, but yeah, I just I, the the world of the labyrinth feels like ripe for a for a revisit. Oh, uh, actually, what would I call it? Um, just back. back uh, no, no, no. Because the problem with back to the labyrinth is a producer would demand we stylize it back number two, the labyrinth, and then I would have to leave the movie industry forever. Yeah, I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. I'll get. I'll give it a think. I'm I'm trying to think of a, a crossover Bowie pun between huh? Well, either think of a Bowie pun, either that or like a crossover of like Lazarus and Labyr- Labyrinth. Interesting. Uh, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Return, return to the labyrinth. My next and final choice take uh, was released in 1985, three years before I graced this wonderful, wonderful earth. That's the most positive thing you've said all day. <laughs> it is. Going down the route of, like, I guess, similar to, like, Ghostbusters Afterlife a little bit, taking a taking the 
Well, actually, maybe not so much Ghostbusters Afterlife because, well, actually, yes, it is because they are relatives of the original in in, in Ghostbusters Afterlife. So, we are going down the route of of that of taking what were essentially kids in the original movie. They're the grown ups, and you know, I guess similar to to Matilda, Matilda, the professional. Um, the kids are in the grown up role now, and we've got a new new bunch of kids coming through and they're they're kind of taking on a similar uh, similar role to the kids in the original so the movie is the goonies the chris columbus steven spielberg smash hit and really this is going to be quite a, a basic legacy sequel and i think it's all it kind of needs which is the kids from the original have grown up they're kind of down the route of like they've lost their sense of adventure they are in boring nine to fives you know they um they don't even really remember so much about hunting for one-eyed willie's treasure anymore or or doing the truffle shuffle or anything like that but their kids they, they now have kids and the kids are the ones that are you know they've got the sense of adventure they're trying to you know, talk to their parents about these wonderful adventures they're going to go on or or whatever it might be probably something similar finding a we won't necessarily go down the route of a, a treasure map again but something similar i wonder if you could kind of jumanjify it a little bit and have something that makes it a little bit more modern than than the original um so like in jumanji you've kind of gone from board game to video game maybe something they find something online there's a there's a there's a tiktok dance that is actually uh, directions to some buried treasure or something ridiculous like this well, someone they've um various things of historical significance have been found because of google maps yeah that's that's, um, that's i think they true. someone someone figured out where the stones from stonehenge came from that kind of shit yeah like wild stuff i've um, i'm not gonna lie in preparation for something we'll come on to while talking about this i have googled slang for penises <laughs> Nice. Um, so we, we're getting the originals back, right? Sean Austin, Josh Brolin, um, Corey Feldman, Ki Hui Kwan, I believe it's pronounced. Yeah. Who is now back in acting. Yeah. Jeff Cohen, who uh, was Chunk, who is now a um, attorney. <laughs> yep. um, he's going to come out, but he can just play an attorney in in uh, in the Goonies. Uh, sequel and yeah they're they're kind of like the the dads they're disillusioned the, you know they're to the grind modern life not not lost their sense of adventure but then they're kids who are obviously just the cast of stranger things <laughs> yep. um are uh are, are taking up the mantle there yeah let's go down the google maps route i prefer that because i don't understand tiktok and uh, there's then we don't have to uh, kind of deal with all of the the Chinese espionage uh, parts of of the TikTok algorithm that people are concerned with. So, I have nothing for, just just to have it on record. I have no issues with TikTok. I just don't understand it, and that hurts me on a level that it is the oldest I have ever felt. Yeah, I, and I, that's spoken as a man who twice today has complained about my back. <laughs> but yeah, I. I I think this is just the route we go down, right? It's very similar to the original film. It's there's this kind of like sparking the sense of adventure in the the adults from the from the original. Perhaps the kids go missing whilst they're on this treasure hunt. The adults kind of get together and and redo redo their kind of 
sense of adventure from the first film they're looking for the kids but kind of in doing so reignite their kind of original there's there, i guess lots of callbacks to, to the original right uh, you yeah. know we eventually get to the point where where jeff cohen is happy to do a truffle shuffle for everyone um even though he's in his 50s i assume as a tiktok dance as a tiktok dance that, that, there, there we, we go. go that's that's how we get the kids yeah in. that's that's how we get them in so the villain of the piece i have a name for him okay it's unfortunately quite a boring one but it it, it works uh it's just john thomas yeah which fits in with the uh incredible dick joke at the center of goonies yes yeah well we can we can go with that I like that. Well, not the villain. Uh, what, like, should, would we say, because we've done pirate, would we say John Thomas was an explorer? Yeah. He found something? I think so. I think maybe he yeah. was... Uh, the National Treasure Route? He he had one of the many copies of the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> and obviously is played by uh, Nicolas Cage. Done. Sold. Done. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just think that it fits well with a number of things. The, the Goonies is such a good film anyway. And I'd love to revisit that. So, and I actually, I never saw The Goonies as a kid. I only saw it probably about maybe 10 years ago. And it definitely, like, it. there was so much, even though I didn't see it as a kid, there was so much nostalgia for, like, being that age and the, the sense of, like, everything's an adventure kind of thing. So I think, and I think there's a lot of stuff that's coming out now that is very much on the basis of that nostalgia, like Stranger Things, like the... You, you couldn't have Stranger Things without The Goonies. No, ab- absolutely At not. All. And even like the less on the nostalgia side because it's it's an out and out horror movie. But like, there's elements of it in the um, original It movie, uh, the, not the original It movie. Sorry, the It movie, um, not so much It Part Two, but the the first chapter as well. So yeah, I think um, I think leaning on the success of Stranger Things, you know, um, having that callback to to the to the innocence of the eighties, but set against the kind of uh, technology and and um, where we are now in the the 2020s um i think it would just be a lot of fun and you know there's always as I said like ghostbusters afterlife did it really well also stranger things kids in it but yeah let's 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 go with it because why not i, I think why it'd not? be fun i think my favorite thing with goonies that came out recently well not came out recently that i learned recently was that sloth has won two super bowls i did not realize that yeah he used to play for the 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 actor was a first overall uh, pick in the nineteen seventy three draft for the Raiders. <laughs> nice, as you do. And this film would be called. This film would be called. I mean, I think it'd probably just be a bit boring. It would be just Goonies, Goonies Two, but you could call it Toonies. But that's Toonies. a bit lame. Or like Goonies, the Treasure of John Thomas. Y- yeah, like it feel it feels like a name that will have a subheading. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go down that route then. The Treasure of John Thomas. Which means dick. So those are our choices. So the plan now, obviously, we'll figure out the top three of our threes and then we will find out the official The Podcast Nobody Asked For Top 3. So for me, I think I am just going the order I went in. I thought the more I talked about Return to the Labyrinth, the more I want to revisit that world, so I think I think I'm going to put that number one. Yeah. But coming in a very close second is Mathilda the Professional. Yeah. Um, and then number three, Commandos. Nice. Mathilda and Return to the Labyrinth are very like that is a proper depending how I feel that day what number one is. But right now, I think after talking about how much I loved the world of it, it has to be number one. I want to see it all again. 
Nice. And yours, top three of your three. Top three of my three. Um, third place, I'm going to go with um, the Goonies. Uh, I'd love to see it, but it's the laziest of the three in terms of like we're just kind of redoing the same thing for the nostalgia value and, and getting some old faces back. Uh, in second place, for Top Gun. This this is very true. Um, second place, the thing or things. I think it's it's it, similar with you. Like the th- things and um, the Warriors sequel are very closely between one and two and I think they also tackle very similar th- you know there's a lot of uh, taking the issues of today and applying them to great films from from the uh, late 70s and 80s and, and how that would play out now the reason I think the Warriors 2022 pips it is that um, there's just I think there's a lot of ways that a lot of the really crappy things in society right now could be commented commented on via doing this um and i just also really like the idea of maybe get chucking the campness away from the and having yeah. the dread style um sequel because yeah, yeah dread, dread is fantastic so if i can i'm just imagining a warriors movie that is as good as dread and um i want that yeah so the the one thing i don't like about things which is a great name for a film to be fair <laughs> is I, in the spirit of kind of what I said before, of I don't necessarily like sequels that retroactively change things. I really like the cliffhanger ending of the thing, and I don't know if I want an answer to it. It's it is great, and yeah, to be fair, it would ruin the fact that all of my choices have, have always been think the thing because um, you know if we then wipe out the thing and things then I I suddenly half my wins yeah um, true. so that there is that is a slight issue for me I guess the thing the thing with things is that I can I can just see that opening of like you know we you get shots from the past few weeks in the UK of these record temperatures and all the wildfires in California yeah. and then you just see the ice well, all, the, all, the, all the wildfires here this is true <laughs> and then you just see the ice melting and Kurt Russell's face is just coming out of the ice and then you know that that to me that it cuts away and then you don't hear anything from what's going on there for a little while yeah. until things start going crazy but that's the opening and that's that i guess that for me is why it's quite high for me just because it's um i can picture that opening quite um kind of shot yeah. for shot for uh for everybody listening's benefit graham acted out uh kurt russell's <laughs> thawing face <laughs> and uh that's gonna haunt me because it's very similar to the uh ace ventura being birthed by a rhino <laughs> um, they're one, okay, and the so same. The one, one and the same the one and the same so Top 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 threes then. Mm. So, for me, I would probably, I would go a, <laughs> I'd go a Graham sandwich. Uh, I I would go. Uh, for me, it is it is a choice of a question of order between Mathilda Labyrinth and Warriors. Yep, I'm I'm okay with that. I think the thing is very close, but I do. The, the, yeah, the, the only thing with the thing for me is um, there is an increased chance that that could ruin the thing for me, and I don't. I don't think the other ones will. Fuck it. Like in a world where all of these are like the bad example of a legacy sequel, I still think I could watch the original all right. While yeah. things, it would always be in the back of your mind of just like, here's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I I guess I would. I think, assuming it's done well and Bowie's legacy is intact, I would put Labyrinth. Yeah. First, but there's a big caveat that it's done well. But then it's in the hands of if we put it in the hands of um, a Duncan Jones, if we put it in the hands of of the um, the. Oh, why, why, my brain is not working today. Brian, Brian Henson, and yeah, some of the uh, the actors that that we mentioned there. I think that that almost guarantees that it it hits the the spot there. So uh, I mean, it's it's a film about Bowie's legacy and filling the shoes left by him. Right? Yeah. So it's and <laughs> who better to direct that than two sons of famous people? Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> two I sons think- of very famous cultural icons. I think we go that one, Warriors 2022, two, and then Mathilda the Professional 3. You de- and you definitely want Mathilda, not Matilda? Uh, we'll, I mean... We'll, we'll, we'll save that for a Breaking Bad episode. Yeah, that's to, to me that is... Um, that's that's a coin flip on if I want something that is a gritty, awesome sort of follow-up to the original, or I want something that is absolutely batshit insane. Yeah. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Okay, so... The podcast nobody asked for's top three legacy sequels we would want to watch. Uh, number three, we have Mathilda the Professional. Uh, number two, we have Warriors 2022. And number one, we have Return to the Labyrinth. If you agree with our choices, if there's any other legacy sequels you would want to watch, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. And you can also become a friend of the podcast over at Patreon. Uh, where you can help us fund getting these films made. If you have ideas for a legacy sequel to this episode, tell us about them on Twitter at nobody else for pod with the number four. You can also find us there on Facebook and we have a website with all of the links that you need, which is podcastnobodyasked4.co.uk. And remember to leave us a review wherever you listen to this uh, episode uh, and in your review, put any future episode ideas you may have and we will do our favourite ones. So finally finished after four weeks this episode is in the can <laughs> and i don't have covid which is good this this is a lot excellent. less a lot less editing for me to do yeah if anything the second part of this podcast could be a legacy sequel to the first part of it it could i was also heartbroken that i stopped recording what i did because when we finished the first part of recording you said that cough's quite bad, Ian. Do you, you sure you don't have COVID? And I said, nah, it's just it's just a cold. It's because I've been sleeping in front of a fan. That was my exact <laughs> phrase. Um, and then I immediately went and tested, and it was basically a thick black line. Yeah, so, I, I, I got a text from you, I think, almost within about 15 minutes, being like, yeah, oh, so, no, you're right, you've got COVID. <laughs> so that, that episode, the beginning of this episode was the hour before I found out I had COVID. Uh, yeah, okay, good times. Ugh, no one asked for this.